everybody, and welcome to No Chuck Flick Moments. I am your co-host, Jeremy. And I'm your other co-host, B. This is our Supernatural Watchcast. Welcome. Welcome. Your one-stop shop for all things Supernatural. All Supernatural meta. See, Aries yes. agrees with me. Yes, yes. He's got to come in and holler. <laughs> this week, we are watching Supernatural Season 2, Episode 10, Hunted. Yes. This was an episode that was written by Rael Tucker and directed by Rachel Talley. It is Rael's second solo episode. Mm-hmm. And directed by Rachel Talley, I was like, is this the first time that we've seen a, a, a female director? It very well could be. Mm. I feel like there's been a limited number on the show, which is disappointing because 327 episodes you'd think that there'd be a fair shot at doing more than a handful but yeah i think that she's the first name at least that's popping to my attention um in these early seasons do you want to take a guess at how many of those 327 episodes were directed by women like 12 try again am i high or low (laughs) because my other guess was four you still lose by Price is Right rules with four. What? Three episodes. No. Guess how many women directors? Two. Three. I could have swore Amanda Tapping directed more than one. Um, uh... Okay, so, so seeing Rachel, I got curious. I'm like, is this our first woman director? And this is what Google's telling me. Rachel directed just one episode, uh, this episode, season two, episode 10, but she is not the first time that we've seen a woman director in Supernatural. Whitney Rancic with Something Wicked in season one, episode 18. I completely forgot that. And it was also her only, Whitney's only episode, Something Wicked, and... Google says that Jan Ellisberg, uh, director of season six, episode six, You Can't Handle the Truth, was the only other woman director. Did I miss one, Amanda? It's got to be a lie because Amanda Tapping directed in season 12, 13, and 14. Then I'm crazy. She was a director, right? Google is crazy. (laughs) Google is maybe one of those fans that's like only the first five seasons count. Uh, you never know. I could have clicked on an article and it was a Supernatural wiki from 2008, you know. Could be. But yeah, Amanda Tapping, she directed four episodes. Four episodes. Yes. So if, well now, I, now I'm questioning everything, but let's say that there were seven total episodes. Mm-hmm. And Amanda was the fourth uh, woman director for Supernatural. But I still thought that at least up to season six, we have Rachel, Whitney, and Jan, and each one of them only had one single episode. Yeah, that's pretty woof-tastic. Hmm. Okay. The original air date was January 11 of 2007, and the description for this episode reads, After Dean tells Sam what their father told him before he died, a distraught Sam sneaks off to Indiana without Dean. 
While there, Sam runs into Ava, a psychic who confesses to Sam she sought him out to warn him of his impending death. Dean discovers Gordon is after Sam and races to find his brother in time to save him. I'm like, Sam, God, I want to understand how your brain is working because <laughs> it's not working for me. What? You don't, you don't, uh, you don't sympathize with Sam's choices this episode? Not terribly. Like, I understand why he makes them, but I'm also like, you are a child. You are a little baby. And you're like, I'm going to run into the battlefield. Don't protect me, dad. I mean, Dean. Like, oh my god. (laughs) I so wish, I so wish that we could say that we pick up where we left off. Because we get, like, we pick up when we come back to the brothers in the, in media res. In the midst of the argument or this tense moment of revelation that we left off with in Croatoan. But yes. first, we have our cold open. Yes. So we have a Dr. George Waxler interviewing a patient named Scott Carey, who is talking about his apparently like electrokinesis, but some powers that he came into being about a year ago. And Scott is saying that the yellow-eyed demon comes to him in his dreams with orders, and he tries to deny these, but ultimately the yellow-eyed demon has plans for him. Yes, this sounds familiar. Scott is confessing to his therapist that, or a psychologist, I'm not... Yeah. mm, That he started having these headaches and these dreams and then these powers that have come to him in the last year. And in Scott's case, like you said, it's this electrokinesis where he says when he touches things, he can electrocute them if he wants. And he has apparently killed the neighbor's cats because of course he did. Of course. And when asked why would he want to kill with these powers, he says that he doesn't want to, but the yellow-eyed man that comes to him in his dreams makes him. Yeah. And that there's these ominous plans that are coming to fruition. Yeah. And we'll get more detail into that later because there's recordings that are taking place as these sessions are occurring. Um, But for now, we leave the office, we follow Scott walking to his car at night, and he has this feeling of being followed. And sure enough, by the time he gets to his vehicle, he ends up getting stabbed and killed. And boom, title card. Title card. So we don't know yet who killed him we only know that it was pretty bloody yes i was surprised that was like some saving private ryan bullshit right there the guy gets stabbed in the belly and then eviscerated with yeah big yikes all but the guts coming out yeah we don't have the budget for that we had to get rid of him pretty quick before we had to like 
own up to these electrokinesis abilities. We don't want to spend on the <laughs> CGI for that. Oh my god. Did the did the house explosions Dean on the green screen, did those count as bad CGI's? Or? I mean, it wasn't the greatest, but honestly, this bit where, like, Sam turns into pink mist, that was pretty fucking good. <laughs> so bad the fake blood it. splatter I, I mean what does it say about me that i was like good <laughs> the fake blood I, splatter on the camera lens oh, oh that was too much but <laughs> i don't know i was like good job 2006 what did they do put a piece of dry ice in his boot where oh, he's no. <laughs> the only thing left of him is one steaming boot we couldn't animate this, but it would be Wiley I Coyote that, like, yes. just his feet are left after the rocket sails through him. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So good. Okay. So, title card. And now here's where we pick up where we left off last week. Um, so, Dean at that time had looked like he wasn't able to answer Sam's query, but now here he is slowly unwinding um, the truth about what John told him. I mean, we come right back in with even a repeat of what Sam was demanding of Dean leaving off on Croatoan, where Dean says, Dad told me something, something about you before he died. And then Sam, like I said, demands, "What? What what about me? What did he tell you? And now Dean is providing yeah. the answer. Yeah. John said he wanted me to watch out for you, to take care of you. And Sam's like, what else is new? But then Dean adds, I had to save you and that if I couldn't, I'd have to kill you. And Jensen is pulling out these really subtle moments as he's doing this confession. You can tell that it has pained Dean. To have this knowledge sitting in his head, unable to speak it for so long. And it's really because he's so scared after the events of Kuratoan that he feels compelled to finally break this oath that he gave to John. Yeah, this is definitely uh, presented as the crux of all that has been weighing on Dean since his father's death and everything that has been weighing down on him. Did I say weighing down twice? Probably. (laughs) Because I'm so good at metaphor. Well, it's heavy. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh... We, we've seen him struggling and we've seen him afraid and we've seen him lashing out and mm-hmm. now where at the end of Kurotoan he is pleading essentially with Sam to say can't we just take a break like let's I think we should slow down I think that we should go see the Grand Canyon yeah. what do you think and Sam was pushing pushing back and this is what it's led to where Dean is confessing that this has been what has been weighing so heavy on his mind. And Sam, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't even know if I want to get into what Sam, how Sam is reacting yet. Because the thing that struck me about this is that 
is what Dean, sorry, what John actually said to Dean, which is um, that John, John's directive was save Sam, do whatever it takes, but if you don't, if you fail in saving him, then you'll have to kill him. Now, I liked it, me as the viewer here, because, mm-hmm. especially on a rewatch, because I didn't actually remember all what was coming here. I just, I, I mean, I know what, what John is talking about, I guess. He's talking about the demon blood. He's talking about the, the supposed war that's coming. We're getting more details about it later in the episode. Yeah. But he's so vague and shitty about it with, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. what he actually told Dean it surprised me yeah and like I remember when I don't remember this episode I still remember John being like you have to kill your brother yes I forget about the try to save him first but it is still like that's brutal to place on Dean like Dean looks and sounds tortured at the beginning of this episode. And it's... You can see that's the last thing that he would ever want to be burdened with. And I'm not saying John was like, Yay, I love this burden. But it's especially hard knowing the struggles Dean went through to try and give his brother the best upbringing that he could. Like... Dean, from a young age, has been devoted to making sure Sam has the best that Sam is taken care of. So for his father's final words to be like, you might have to kill him if you can't save him. And then Dean also feeling like, I don't deserve to be here. John was supposed to be here. John was supposed to finish his legacy. And now he's left me with this. Like, all of that is just a lot to put on this kid. I'm also... What does that even mean? Save him. If you don't, then you're going to have to kill him. I mean, how ominous and... Yeah. How ominous and, and vague and threatening can you be? And yeah. not only the last words to your son, but I knew... That I remembered as much that, of course, the th- the thing that's been so hard on Dean is that John told him that he might one day have to kill Sam. But he didn't tell him why or anything. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, hey, that little brother that you love. Yeah. Save him or kill him if you can't. Like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. Do you want to get into how Sam oh, yes. sounds in this? Because I feel like... There's a great dovetail into this. So Dean, you can see, is suffering with what his father put on him. And Sam just gets irate. Like, he starts raging. And I'm like, in this moment, especially the second time I watched it, I, like, just juxtaposed John over Sam. Yes. And, like, all the words Sam is saying sounds like ways that... John would have berated them growing up. Yeah. And it is... I don't know. Here, Dean is very vulnerable, very afraid, and he is made small by 
his own uncertainty and even more so by Sam towering over him, demanding why, like, what does that mean? And why would dad say that? And why, how could you have cut this to yourself? Take responsibility, take responsibility for yourself, Dean. Yeah. How could you have kept this from me? So I get what you're saying. I I do want to give Sam and Jared a moment of credit where, I mean, Dean is standing here and he says, dad says that I need to save you or I have to kill you. And Sam takes a moment and or has this moment where he just looks like he's been slapped. But then you, you, you can almost see the, the gear start worrying and then they overheat real fucking quick. Yeah. Yeah, like, he goes from zero to a hundred way too fucking fast. Yes, yes. And he lashes out at Dean. And he, I don't know, he, he just gets big and shouty and, and, and... Belittling towards belittling, Dean. Belittling, yes, towards Dean. Yeah, Dean's trying, he's basically confessing in this moment, saying that he never wanted to be given this burden. He has hated, like, it's been agony keeping this secret. And Sam just wants to know more information and is sniping at Dean, like, oh, like, you you want us to get out of the job so you can avoid killing me. And it's like, well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you blame him? Yeah, actually, that's, that's about it. And Dean just feels like things are out of control. He's There's words being put into his mouth. And he just wants to take a moment to think things through. Especially after what happened in Croatoan. He has not really had a breather to process the new information they have about Sam. How it fits into this picture that John... A fucking watercolor. He was like, I'm going to slap down two colors and then tell you I painted the ocean. Like... He needed more details, and Dean's trying to parse through and see what they can get. But Sam just doesn't have it in him. He wants to get out on the road. He wants to start digging for answers. And he wants time away from his brother to do this. Yeah. And Dean is saying that he doesn't know the answers that Sam is demanding, but he feels overwhelmed by it. And he just needs, like you said, a moment to breathe. And Sam is now like he's, he's a dog with a bone. Now he, we see that he's not going to make any concessions to, how dean is feeling about this yeah sam just feels betrayed and like this information was withheld from him wrongfully withheld from him i don't and and he he disagrees with dean's i guess approach yeah he's not reacting to dean like a brother that a mutual parent did some shitty stuff to both of them he's acting like His parent, his caregiver, has lied to him and is, in fact, preparing to deceive him. And 
it's not Dean's perspective at all, but it's how Sam is responding in this situation. And so even though Dean is sitting here saying, like, just give me some time. Let's just lay low. Let's figure things out. Sam is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then turns to the camera and be like, listeners, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's exactly what I was trying to say. For Dean, he is trying to uh, tell Sam, like, I don't know what John meant. Yeah. I didn't want this. I wish to God that he had never opened his mouth. Yeah. But I just don't know what's going on. And then Sam, on the other hand, is not saying, you're right, what what dad did was shitty. He's saying, how could you do this to me, Dean? Yeah, exactly. How could you plan for this? How could you prepare for this? How mm. could you have this in your head and not tell me as we're walking through the world? Mm-hmm. But still, it's this big scary thing that Dean has been shouldering solo and now... Sam has been let in on this big scary thing, which is apparently be good or die. Yeah. In his own father's eyes. And he n- wants to go hunt down the answers. Yeah. And so rather than have this be something that bandied them together, we see in the next scene here that Sam actually waits until night to sneak away from the motel and steal a car and apparently go to this address he's written on the stationery. And it's an empty house with boarded up windows and he breaks his way inside. But on route, he snaps a trip wire on a grenade and, like we said, becomes pink mist. Kablooey. Kablooey. Nothing but a smoking shoe on the ground. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) But psych, it's too early in the episode for something like this to happen. Um, We see a young woman shoot up straight in her bed. She's waking from this vision of Sam's death. And her fiancé is comforting her back to sleep, but she lays down and her eyes are still open. She seems very disturbed by the nightmare she just had. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. This looks familiar, though. Mm -hmm. We've got another special child afoot. So Sam arrives at the roadhouse alone, and Ellen is unsurprised because she has been fielding Dean's calls, And she says that he's been worried sick about Sam. Yes. And she asks, what's going on with you? And Sam just changes the subject. (laughs) Like, how's Joe? So how's Joe? Wrong wrong choice. But Ellen answers. She says, you know, since the last time that we saw her, Joe's taken the initiative to go out and strike it on her own. So she's been sending the odd... Postcard back home, but Ellen really doesn't know how she's doing. She's just worrying from afar. Yeah, Ellen hasn't seen her in weeks because after their, after we last saw Joe, where she had the hunt for H.H. Holmes with Dean and Sam, she has decided to keep hunting. And Ellen was so opposed to this that they have just been constantly at odds and uh joe just decided to go and do what she was going to do 
Yeah. Strike it on her own. And we're we're seeing right away that in this parallel, um, Ellen is sympathizing more with Dean than Sam in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even though Sam's kind of feeling guilty for Joe's response to this case, Ellen takes a moment to assure him, like, boy, I wish I could blame you, but I can't. It's not your fault. And, like, it's not even John's fault. I forgave him long. And then I'm like, wait, wait, what are we doing? Yeah, this was this was a little. I mentioned it at the top of this episode before we started recording, but a lot of this, a lot of the dialogue in this episode is very um i don't even want to say contrived it is i guess contrived <laughs> is I mean, actually it's, the right word it's doing sort of this emotional legwork that is not justified by action yeah yeah there's a lot being there's a lot being said to bring us from a to b with yes. no um, there's no, it's, it's not organic at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't feel organic. It just, it just feels like we're putting the words down on the page and hoping that the audience can keep up. Yeah. Cause last time we saw Ellen interacting with Sam and Dean, she was very angry and like, she was lashing out being like typical Winchesters only thinking for themselves and all of this stuff. And I'm like, so I guess this scene is trying to smooth those ruffled feathers because the Harvells and the Winchesters parted on bad terms in um, the episode with H.H. Holmes. No exit. So now that Sam is turning to Ellen for help in this episode, it's like we have to explain why they are working together and it's not frosty or things like that. And like, you could honestly have gotten away with a little bit of frostiness. Like you could have had a little bit more of Ellen being like, this is stupid of you, Sam. Like you should be working with your brother. You should family sticks together and all that jazz. Yeah. And then when later we see Ellen rat Sam out to Dean, then all of that could have been the smoothing over that they have. So I, it feels especially that bit of like, I forgave John a long time ago. I don't think he forgave himself. I was like, this was not the Ellen that was speaking during no exit. The Ellen during no exit was like, John's a selfish bastard and only cares for himself. No, 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 no. I, I would argue that it's backwards there where I, if the frostiness was going to come in, it was going to be when Sam was like, Ooh, then I must not be the person that you want to see right now because Ellen, because Joe, uh, has is now hunting alone mm-hmm. when the boys, you know, covered for her and lied to Ellen and put Joe in the direct path of danger, direct directly in the path mm-hmm. of danger to, uh, to 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 go on this hunt when. Ellen explicitly disapproved. She was mad about that, and rightfully so, because they straight up and down lied to her. And here Ellen is saying, no, Sam, I'm not mad at you for that or about anything. What John, what happened between Bill and John, it's in the past. I forgave him a long time ago. He just never forgave himself. When in No Exit... Ellen was 
yeah, was arguing with Joe and she let out in anger that like father, like sons kind of thing, yeah. kind of line. She immediately shut it down. She her she she realized that what she was saying was just said in anger and she said, No, yeah. I didn't mean it. They didn't no, it's not it's not about that. Uh I I know that I talked about it at the time of of no exit, but kudos to uh, kudos to Samantha for uh, playing that as well as she did because you saw in Ellen's expression that she just said something that she didn't mean. Yeah, she went a step too far. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So I wanted frostiness where Joe, I mean, where Ellen was like. Well, it's your fault that Joe is now out of reach of me, but it's not your fault. The sins of the father are not the sins of the son. And I, I shouldn't have that. said something like that. Yeah. In anger. I, I could get behind that. I think the part that I have the hardest bit about is this hearsay of John never forgave himself. I'm like, that feels like a projection or something that I don't buy. And that's because I have my own biases against John, but also because it feels like such a speculative sentence for someone as no nonsense as Ellen to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get that. Even though I would also say not to, not to have one of those episodes where I'm disagreeing with everything. <laughs> We're welcome to disagree, Revy. <laughs> I know, but first Sam and now Ellen and now, Ellen too. Um, I I think that we've gotten hints at this before where Ellen would reach out to John and John just never came back. Yeah. But I'm also like, we don't get a lot of hints of remorse from John. And so that's where it feels speculative to me. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ellen made it clear that the doors were always open. John just never walked back through them. Yeah. And, like, we had the episode with Gordon, episode three this season. I don't have the name of it off the top of my head. But when we saw Gordon's introduction, we were doing a lot of parallels between Gordon and John. And the way that even in this episode, Gordon is saying, like, John would have the stomach to do what you cannot. Yes. That whole vibe is John to me. And so this idea that Ellen has that John never forgave himself very well could be true, but it doesn't fit that feeling of I did what I have to do. And so I don't have regrets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and we don't know what happened. We don't know, but we get the feeling like maybe Ellen does know some of the details, even though we yeah. don't, because even Sam here asks, what really happened with that? And she, it's her turn to change the subject. Yeah. She asks yeah. Sam what what he's here for and what she can do for him. Yeah. So we bring Ash back to the equation. Sam is asking him for a nationwide search of the special children. They point out the fact that, okay, we've broken the mold. It's not just little six-month-olds with a nursery fire that kills the mom. There's now outliers from that. 
but it's what they got. So Ash does a search and comes back like 10 minutes later with <laughs> only four kids that were known to match um, Sam's description. So Sam, Max Miller from season one, Andy from earlier this season, and then Scott Carey, who Sam immediately, you know, pings on. Do you got an address for him? But the only address is at a cemetery because he was killed about a month back. Yeah, and this is the same Scott that we saw in the cold open. Yeah. So there's no suspects. The cops kind of are on dead end on what killed Scott or how, who did it. Um, so Sam is going to take that lead and head off to Indiana. Yeah. And Ellen, again, we know that she's sympathizing more with Dean here. Sam is the Joe to Ellen's Dean. Mm-hmm. She tells Sam, look, you know, I got to call Dean. He's worried sick. He, 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 I have to tell him that I've seen you and where you're going. And Sam begs her not to. Ellen, I'm just trying to figure out who I am. Can you can you really begrudge me that, Ellen? Come on, Ellen. I'm like, I'm sorry, you gotta fly solo for this? You're not 18. (laughs) No, I mean, he's not, you're right, he's not 18. He's like 25. He's He's 23, which is still young. But I'm like, you know how dangerous this life is, and you know already the threats that you've faced, and I get wanting to, you know, have a, some time away from the person you're mad at right now, but it also feels very reckless and very self-centered and foolish. Like, it's that invincibility of youth where he's like, I can do this and I'll be okay. Well, one thing, again, it's kind of the script just stringing us along to where it needs us to go because Sam here, he says uh, that line, I'm just trying to figure out who I am. Mm -hmm. Dean means well and he tries to protect me, but dot, dot, dot. I mean, there's not even, they couldn't even write in. Uh, a half-assed good argument yeah. to that. Yeah. Like, you're right. He should be with his brother. Uh, But then even later in the episode, at the first hint of trouble, actual trouble, uh, he, he just calls Dean up and calls him back in because now it's time for Dean to come back in and we're done with the Sam solo hour. Oh, like, Sam's whole, I don't need you to protect me. I'm like, this entire episode is evidence that, yeah, you do. <laughs> If Dean wasn't there to knock Gordon out, he would have just kept sniping rounds at you until you were fucking dead. Like, yeah, but no, no, but yeah, but they had no idea that that I Sam doesn't go to the coffee shop in the morning and expect a sniper. No, but Sam is following a dangerous path. And being like, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I can face everything that's coming for me. Which, again, is that reckless bravado of youth that he still thinks that he has this shield of invincibility around him. And, like, the show is giving us a little bit of that, too. Where, you know, he's a protagonist. We're going to see him next week. 
And they're trying to subvert that with Ava's vision. But ultimately, I'm like, this episode, I get frustrated whenever the plot is like contrived to separate them when it doesn't make sense for them to be separated. It's not just this episode. It's something that recurs frequently in Supernatural because having those individual scenes, you know, moments for each brother to shine on their own are valuable. It's just, I like you to do it effectively. And when you have this heightened moment of danger, like you literally got out of the episode where there was demon virus. And now you're like, I'm going to just take off on my own and investigate how a person like me just got murdered by someone that we don't know. Don't remind me about the demon virus that killed a literal thousand people. And they're just like, well, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, what happened? <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> yeah. There, There's some frustration that I have in here because I'm like, Dean's proven right this episode. Like, I, Dean's proven right this episode because the script demanded it. Well, yeah, and then that's the frustrating thing is because you're seeing the bones, you're seeing the structure, you're not seeing the animal in motion, you are seeing the skeleton in rictus display, and you're like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. This is not a petting zoo at all. I agree, I agree. That, weirdly enough, that's a good way to put it, (laughs) where I'm not seeing... I'm not feeling the episode. I'm just watching the episode yeah. and knowing exactly what it's trying to do for me. Yeah. And it's just, ta- it's just taking, we, we've got our little sock bucket, sock puppets that are on the screen, but they're mm-hmm. not, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. They're getting us through compelling beats, but there's just something where I'm like, mm, I'm not on board. I'm not 100% there. There's something that just doesn't feel like the characters. Yeah. But like, as a whole, the episode is giving us what we need. It's just, you couldn't dress it up just a little bit. I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a, it's a plotty, I don't know. You know, yeah. it's not on the level of a buckling plot episode, but it kind of <laughs> feels like a buckling plot episode. <laughs> Remy is just going for Rael's hair. She's pulling her down. I know. It's cruel. It's cruel. But <laughs> the we 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 have there are so many things that are happening in this episode that are like heavy plot revelations mm-hmm. and set up like Gordon as a villain that will carry us through more than mm-hmm. just this episode. And like, I'm don't I don't feel good. I don't feel great about any of no. it. It's just totally forgettable. I can just see. I I just I, I I see the episode as an episode where these beats need to happen. Yep. And then I can move on. Yep. So we're ready for next week. Yeah. I get that. Like I think it's no secret that we favor sort of the character driven episodes where the plot is there but it is sparse enough that there is room for these organic character moments where we get like i'm thinking of dead in the water in season one where the plot very well is we have a ghostly water dead person that we have to deal with 
But along the way, we get these character moments where we get to see Dean's vulnerability and a little glimpse into his upbringing, like how he went mute as a kid and like tries to be brave, even though he doesn't feel like it. And like it had time for us to see the characters in interesting ways. And for the plot heavy episodes, unfortunately, sometimes every minute of like the 44 minutes is spoken for. And so we don't get those enriching little nuggets that make you feel like, oh, these are, these aren't just characters, these are people. And those are such rewarding moments that when we are absent of them or we're bereft of them, then we feel that absence. Yeah. And I agree that even when you have a plot episode, you're always looking for those character moments. And I, and I agree that we do prefer we we feel more of those character moments and we there's more to dig into with those real character moments that you feel mm-hmm. but you can do a plot episode i'm just waiting for them to do it right like yeah. we, we've got we've got good plot episodes we eh, i i i just feel like this one and i'll rag on it more but <laughs> We we've had good plot episodes. Like we've the the season one episodes with Meg, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Even and this was not even a plot episode, but it was one of those episodes where every minute was accounted for. But the usual suspects was yeah. not a very you know it, no care big character moments to be seen. But I I still didn't feel like it was so bare bones and contrived that yeah i it was just so inorganic that i i couldn't even see where the lines were coming from like this one it's just they're they're literally just putting the words in the actor's mouths to be like this is what we're yeah i I don't know it felt it felt like a monologue right yeah it's just like this this is all the information that i want the audience to have as we're going into the next back half of the season two yeah and this is where we're going with it i'm curious i know we're not on the scene yet but how did you feel about gordon and dean's conversation i i i feel like it was probably the only true in character moment that and this is probably not the answer that you're looking for but i thought no. that it i thought that it was in character to the point where uh, I, I didn't get some of the emotion is for, for how restrained and um how calculating and the affectations that Gordon was taking on in the first episode that we saw him in Bloodlust. It was he was more effective in Bloodlust, but I don't think like I didn't like the dialogue is if this makes sense. I didn't like mm-hmm. the dialogue as much in this episode how his dialogue was written, but I didn't chafe against the motivations. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty close to how I felt about it, too. Like, talking about plot-heavy absence of character moments, 
For me, the Dean and Gordon conversation was the closest we got to those new insights, those new revelations Mm -hmm. um, into the characters. We got a bit... I felt, honestly, like this episode humanized Gordon more than his initial introduction. Because the initial one, he's... Like you say, like I really like the dialogue in the initial one. It's, it's again, we were sound very horny for that episode when we <laughs> talked about it. Oh yes, definitely. And this one, okay, not as horny for it, but I still like the idea of Gordon being like, "No, I'm a good hunter. Like I yes. did my homework, and this is the conclusion I came to, and this is what needs to happen." Like he's not coming in here and being like, fuck you guys, you tied me up to a chair and this is my revenge. He's making a point to say, I did the homework, I did the summations, and this is how it's adding up. And he's even saying, like, I empathize with you, Dean. This must hurt like hell for you. I'm sorry that you got to go through this, but it's the way it's got to be. I'm like, I liked Gordon this episode. I was like, hey, is Gordon, like, a character I really like? (laughs) Like... I I had a puzzled look on my face, but I was also like, I... And it's a testament to Sterling K. Brown, again, fucking dynamite actor, that he can take this character that is almost a caricature and then infuse him with those character moments. Yeah. Make it so that we have this extreme version of the hunter mindset Mm -hmm. and... And, and play the character in a way that, like you said, humanizes him and sells those motivations. Like I said, I did not chafe against his yeah. motivations and how he was explaining himself. I mean, the the one that sent shivers down my spine was definitely the... <laughs> so horny. Was definitely <laughs> when Gordon... You know, sat next to Dean, pulled up a chair, sat next to Dean, tied to the chair, and says, yeah. I, I'm a little disappointed in you, Dean. I thought you were professional, but yes. look at you. Can't can't do the hard thing, the right thing, yeah. but the hard thing when it comes down to it. Yeah. I know it would have hurt him like hell, but John would have gone through it. Are mm-hmm. you telling me you're not the man that your dad is? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That whole bit. Yeah. And like the way that he is presenting Gordon as just self-assured, meticulous, but could very well be this unreliable narrator because again, Dean is asking how do you get this information? Like how do you find Sam? How do you know about this war that's coming and the humans are traitors what have you? And Gordon, you know, slides over the fact that he basically tortured this demon for the information. And Dean asks, well, what happened to the vessel? Like, happened to the little girl? And Gordon is just like, she didn't make it. And there's, like, a fucking Grand Canyon filled with things unsaid in that moment there. And Gordon is, again a smart enough, clever enough hunter to know how to try and glide these things over and try and sway Dean back under. Again, I'm getting horny about Gordon. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that was striking to me because I could see how people would watch this episode and be like, "Eh, I don't like Gordon anymore. But 
episode one in blood in bloodlust gordon for the majority of the episode gordon was playing the game he was being the seductress yes yes And, and this episode he is he is nothing more or less than his himself and yeah. he is still trying to make Dean see reason, if you could see my yeah. air quotes there. But but to him, it's just the way that things are. So we we I'm getting that from him. And I see Gordon just without the affectations and and not that he's not saying the same things, really, at its core, mm-hmm. but now he is just, it, there. there's this layer that's just shed off, and we yeah. see more of the, that, like, l- lizard vibe, but in a good way. <laughs> like, just the methodical calculating. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time we met him... He was like, with Dean, we could be friends. And then this episode is like, I want us to be friends. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's a subtle difference because the first time he and Dean are chatting, it's like, hey, we have this natural camaraderie. We have this natural bit, like, we, we could get along. And that is lost by the end of the episode. And then in this episode, you could see Gordon being like, it's this level of like I don't need your approval, but we should be on the same side. Yeah, yeah, because he, he Dean, says, "Like, don't you want to kill me for what I did to you? Yeah. Is this what this is? Or is? Or did you take a sniper?" Dean's you- trying to make it petty. Yes, did you try to snipe my brother because we because of what happened the last time yeah. we were together? The the vamps that got away? No. No. I'm not a killer, Dean. I'm a hunter. Yes. And, and your brother is fair game. Yeah. And like the Winchesters make things personal. They make things emotional. And Gordon is making the case that you can't do that. It makes the job Harder, but also sloppier. Mm-hmm. And he's introducing sort of this doubt. Like, your emotions are what is causing the problem, Dean. If you could get your emotions straight, you would be able to handle the situation you're in easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, Dean at the beginning of this episode being like, I need a minute, I need a breather, I feel like I'm sinking, it's too much, too fast, like... He's drowning in how he feels about what his dad placed on him and his brother's response to it. And then his place in having to enact or not in this situation. And then here's Gordon again offering this. No, you can go through it calculatingly. You can figure out what is the correct answer. And then you can follow that and have no qualms about it because you're doing the right thing. But unlike in Bloodlust, we are so far beyond that. And I would argue not just because it's Sam this time. Yeah. But I think that Dean himself is in a different place than he was even with episode four or whatever we had Bloodlust in. 
Yeah. Because in that episode, he was looking for answers. He was looking for that easy solution. Take the emotion, take the heart out of it, and then just look at it as simple math. And by the time he's in this episode, no. He's drowning in the feelings. He can't separate him from himself, and he doesn't want to, really. Like, because... it would be the easier answer, but yeah. he wouldn't want to do it because that would mean distancing himself from Sam, and that's the last thing he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. Because for all that we're talking about it now, uh, Gordon is in the wrong here. He is morally in the wrong. And he is <laughs> I'm the- like... You know what? I think that he's right. No, no. This is not black and white. It's not. Like, it's that's not. His whole, it's that's not. his whole thing with the vampires and now with Sam and and the other special children. Uh, he killed Scott because the, because, I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, yes, I do know. He killed Scott because... On the demon's word, he is told that there are these psychics that are human themselves, but will turn in turn against, I guess, humanity, join with the demons, and fight as soldiers in this demon's war. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he's not just taking it on the word of the of the demon, but he through his research uh, of the psychic children he is now convinced that the demon's word is true and he is voicing now all of the doubt that sam and dean have had about these you know the 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 yellow eyed demon's plans for his children what if they are just destined to go bad? They're destined to be killers. And that is exactly what Gordon is saying. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Scott, he never killed anybody, but he was gearing up to it. Believe mm-hmm. me, he was he was going to go bad. And believe me, Sam is going to go bad. And Ava and Andy and every other one of the special children. It's their destiny to go bad. And they're not quite human and they should die regardless of their actions yeah same as the vampires so yes morally he is very much in the wrong but he makes it sound so pretty and i'm like his conclusion is wrong but i think that there's validity in his concern or in his fears that the knowledge that he has collected is that there are people being groomed to essentially betray the human race And they are going to have powers and abilities that can be used to, you know, beat the humans. The conclusion of, so we got to, I was going to say delete, oh my god, so we have to kill them, Uh is wrong. But I don't think that Sam and Dean are necessarily doing anything more right, like, quote unquote. Like, for me, I was thinking about this, I was like, you, I guess... My mentality is, is I'm drawing this parallel between how Gordon is saying you treat these people that are going to go bad and kill to how Sam and Dean treat Gordon because he's someone that's going to go bad and kill. And my mind was drawing this parallel and I'm like, I don't think Sam and Dean had in any 
better response. I'm not saying that they could have responded differently to Gordon's threat, but this idea of we kill them or we lock them away or we like we just get rid of them is such a simplistic way and it's a very individualistic way of looking at the situation and I was just thinking you know if there was the opportunity to rehabilitate like all this fear of destiny I think is bullshit but if you don't step in and nurture the seeds that you want to grow you are not going to get the fruits of that labor if you don't put the effort in to make sure that you know, the opportunity to break bad or whatever doesn't take place. Or at least that these people, like these threats, have loyalty and value to what you are saying is valuable and worth being loyal to. Like, I don't know. It's complicated, I guess is what I'm getting at. And I think that when I say Gordon's right, no, that's not what I think. It's Gordon has valid fears, but he's responding to it in not the right way. And I don't think Sam and Dean are necessarily even responding in the right way either. Well, I I think that you don't even have to look at it. You don't have to stop at Gordon. And Gordon, in this moment, is a direct threat to sam and dean's health and safety so yeah they take action and they get they take care of him by getting him locked away but but i think that the more pertinent example would be andy gallagher and Mm -hmm. they left him like stay good or we'll kill you okay that's nothing that's nothing like Again, we're given a lot of different characters and moments to draw parallels between in this episode. And I just feel like no one's got an answer. But I'm also thinking of how Dean doesn't really make an argument against Gordon's argument. Like, Dean himself doesn't have an answer to, can it be your fate to go bad? He says that he doesn't believe in it, but where's the action to back that up? You know, where's the plan to keep, to nurture the seed that you want to grow? Yeah, yeah, because back to Gordon, I mean, what ultimately happens is Sam calls the police and the police uh, take Gordon into custody and with the, um... And it doesn't feel great watching it. It's implied. It doesn't feel great watching it. (laughs) No, it It feels really bad, actually. With the, uh, the, you know, Sam put it in an anonymous tip that he had a, um, that he was pinning, I shouldn't even say pinning, he pointed the cops in Gordon's direction as the, uh, as a suspect of Scott's murder, and if, uh, that murder, if, if if Gordon's actually proved guilty of that murder, then he'll be put away for a long time yeah. and would be essentially out of Sam and Dean's hair. But, yeah. but D- Dean wants to just straight up kill the guy. Yeah. And, and, and probably would have. Yeah. If Sam didn't stop him to say, no, don't worry about it. I already took care of it. All of the cops. But. Yeah, Dean just wants to kill him. I let him live. What 
I let him live once and I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. So we are going to kill baby Hitler. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, I can't get behind Sam and Dean in this episode. And that's also part of the reason why I struggle with this episode. Like, I just, they don't feel like they have a compelling alternative to what Gordon is offering. And that's not to say, well, I guess I have to go with Gordon on this one. It's just, I want them to be better. You know, that yeah. me as a viewer, that that can 100% be the writer's intention. And I can respect that. But me as a viewer, I'm like, be better, do better. Uh, we still have another 12 episodes where we have to sow these seeds of doubt because... Oh, but then we get another 12 seasons where we repeat some of this shit, like... That's, yeah, that's a, that's a bigger conversation, but there's so much individualism in Supernatural that sometimes I just, I think of the alternative and would it have been interesting to see a little less of that, you know, Western, I'm the protagonist and I need to figure this out and I can handle this all on my own. I didn't get that as That's fine. one of the major themes of the episode. Like, it, it's a thing that happened, but I didn't feel like they were trying to sell me something on it. I, I don't think that they were either. It's just I noticed it while I was watching. Like, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Which is, could very well just be a me thing. You know, everyone else watches it like, the fuck are you smoking, B? But... <laughs> It was just things that I'm thinking about. When you have a member of your society or you have a member of your community that is hurting or that is going wrong, like, that's being led astray. If we think of that situation and in this episode, the two two options we are given is kill them or lock them up. Yes. That's what this episode gives us. And I was just... That felt very stark to me while I was watching it, that the parallel between Gordon approaching threats and Dean trying to figure out how to approach threats and like Sam's approach, the way that it ends with Gordon, like, I'm like, they fucking pull a deus ex machina and not in like the literary sense, in the sense that they normally do not involve civilians in supernatural matters. And yet they call the cops on the guy. Yeah. I'm like, there's just something about that that feels like dishonorable, especially on a black man. It, It does. It does. I agree with that. I honestly, I was surprised when they... Like, whoa, the real world just came in. Yes. We just got, we just got real. We just have, we have four cop cars surrounding this man in the street. Yes. And, uh, and I was expecting when Sam was, when Sam says, don't worry, I took care of it. We don't have to worry about him anymore. I really thought that Sam was, had, I don't know, said something to Ellen or something, and we were going to have a, a band of hunters, mm-hmm. you know, be like, you're not welcome here anymore. Leave these boys alone. That kind of yeah. thing. Like, you're not welcome through the doors of the of the roadhouse anymore. It, Gordon says, you've got your roadhouse connections. I've got mine. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I was going to be like, not anymore. 
Which but is that would tie true, into but... that community thing that I'm talking right. about too. And like, I'm not saying that it would work or not, but like, it does feel like a cop out, literally, mm-hmm. to call the cops on him. Because that's just not what they do. They don't involve civilians and they don't have to, allegedly. Well, I I think that one of the reasons why I said I didn't like the the dialogue as much in this episode's Gordon and Dean conversation is that when Gordon presses Dean and, and literally, I mean, it's, it's talk about a cop out. You give him the baby Hitler theoretical. Yeah. Oh my God. Roll my eyes. I know. But when Gordon is saying to Dean, like, these people are going to go bad. You know they're going to go bad. It's their destiny to go bad. If you had baby Hitler in the backseat of your car and you knew what he would become, what would you do? Uh, We're having these... We're having we're we're having Dean being challenged in this way, and the only thing that he has to say is that Sammy wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's just it. Which is fine, but we're it's it's weak. Yes, there's no defense. There's yeah. no actual alternative. There's just a no. It's not. Yes, exactly. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. No, he won't. Yeah. That's not him. Yeah. And, and the reason that it has to be that way for this episode ten. Is yeah. that Dean is still waiting for the other shoe to drop. He doesn't yeah. know. Is he really so confident? He hopes. He wishes. He's planning to avoid that fate. Yeah. If 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 however possible. But, uh, but he's scared. And he's not so sure. It's not as black and white as... Yeah. It, he does not have the insurance in his convictions that... Gordon yes yes yeah that's a great way of putting it he's not assured in his convictions yet yes I think that's where I started getting into all that community and blah 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 and like Jesus Christ this is an episode of Supernatural from 2006 can you calm the (laughs) fuck down you're not writing a thesis paper but I was just like what would be my answer you know like I started thinking about that and just I kept on going back to that you can't just write them off if you think that there is a wrong that is going to be committed, you have to kind of step in and do your part to correct it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're not there yet because then we, no. then, then Dean, we have to, we have to maintain this little seed of distrust that's going on between Sam and Dean and this yes. fear and this uncertainty because that's going to drive us and feed us through the next manufactured 12, drama. Yes, through the next twelve episodes. Yeah. Huh, yeah. Again, I'm just like, what would be more compelling? I I always am thinking about that. And that's not to be like, this is a bad episode. It's just, I'm, that's the way my brain works. Honestly, I mean, I'm always like, yeah, I'll rag on it, but I don't think it's a bad episode. Yeah. I thought this one was kind of a bad episode because it's spoon feeding you so much and I'm not feeling any of it. Yeah, I, I do not want to open the barn doors and let the airplane in. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. Mm-mm. You can fly that spoon at my face all you fucking want. I'm turning my head away. Oh my god! I'm just like barn doors, airplane. Yeah. yeah. What? Here comes a little airplane. I get it. I get it now. Open up the barn doors. Let yeah. 
<laughs> Let in the fact that the brothers distrust each other now. Mm, doesn't that taste good? And I'm like spitting vi- like viciously. <laughs> like, no, no. Do not want. Parade carrots down yes. your whole front. Yes. Yeah. I am a very sloppy baby in this one. <laughs> Terrible metaphor. Next question. B, are we like 12 minutes in the episode, technically? Okay, but good news is that we can stream through a lot, apparently. Well, I mean, really, we just kind of covered it there. So We kind of did. Where, where are we at? Where are we at? Okay, so Sam goes to question Scott's dad. And we find out just some basic backstory that Sam doesn't have. Scott started having headaches a year ago. His personality changed. He became really depressed and paranoid and had nightmares. Um, when This is, I, I have to interrupt because this is a prime example of that spoon feeding I'm talking about. Like, yes. what, a, what a convenient info dump. Sam is here posing as uh, one of Scott's schoolmates. And the dad is like, let me tell you all about his t- trauma. Yeah. And then when Sam's like, can I go check out his room? And he's like, don't see a problem with that. Like, we completely don't even have the dad answer because the logic would be like, fuck no. But anyways, Sam goes to the bedroom, he sees the medicine, he sees the psychiatrist's name on the bottle, he steals a bottle, and then he also finds in the back of a closet a mural of yellow eyes. Yeah. So, here's, again, all that we need to know that the yellow-eyed demon is talking to this guy, too. Um... We cut to a new scene and we have an outsider point of view that is watching Sam as he returns to his motel room. Um, But he seems to sense that he's being watched. So he grabs the intruder and we're introduced in person to Ava, who insists that it's not crazy that she's here, but she had a dream and they started a year ago and she didn't take them seriously until about a month back when she saw Scott's death before it happened. And then last night she had one about Sam's death. Yeah. I'm not on drugs. I'm not crazy. This is yeah. way out of my league, but just hear me out. Yeah. She found him by Googling the motel stationery since she saw the address written on it in her vision. And she's here to warn him that he's going to die there. And then Sam does this whole, I can't believe it. You're one of us. And she's like, I knew you wouldn't believe me. And then as soon as he starts saying like the psychic children, she's like, wait a second. You're the crazy one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, great. You're the nut job. Awesome. Yeah. Because Ava's basically like, okay, I came. I told you. I'm out. It's not my problem anymore. Goodbye. And now Sam is like, but are you having visions of the demon? Yeah. Are you part of a greater conspiracy? Did your mom die when you were young in a fire in your nursery? And she's like, duh, duh, duh. What? <laughs> what My mom of- lives in Palm Beach. Leave me alone. Yeah. So they are having quite the time. Um, next scene, we have Ellen calling Dean and notifying him that Sam was there and that he made her promise not to tell Dean where he went. 
But Ellen's like, that's bullshit. What's the point of having family if they don't look out for you? <laughs> so she gives up the address and Dean guns her for Indiana. You know, she gave Sam a six hour head start. That's enough. Yeah. That's more than he deserves in this situation. Like he's going to get himself killed. So we cut back to Sam and Ava. He is saying that something is going on with the special children and they need to find out what. Ava is not on board. She's a secretary from Peoria. She is not about, you know, these grand conspiracies. She wants to go home to her fiancé, Brady. So Sam just dangles a little carrot in front of her being like, are you sure you don't want to know? Because if you leave, you might never know the truth about your powers. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be enough to entice her. Yeah, don't these don't these visions scare you? Don't you mm-hmm. want to know? I'm like, well, yeah, but you don't have to be mean about it. Yeah. <laughs> She's just a civilian, again. Honestly, and like this next bit, I'm like, okay, so you're breaking the laws of physics and reality to have Ava be able to book a psychiatrist appointment the next day. She attends this appointment with Scott's doctor, and she's apparently supposed to just distract him while Sam fucking breaks into the office? Well, yes, because he needed someone in the psychiatrist i mean i don't know so we have we have ava facing the psychiatrist's desk dr waxler yeah yes dr waxler and ava has a clear view of this window that has sam scaling the building i suppose yeah at a height and so i just guess that the whole thing was Ava needs to be in the office, but not give Sam away. Unlike you know, because if anyone yeah. else was sitting in that chair, it would be like oh, there's a there's a man on the side of yeah. the building. Yeah, but but uh, couldn't do that. After he didn't hours. tell her the plan because she was surprised by the fact that he was outside. It was just wild. Like they wanted the comedy moment mm-hmm. of her in this appointment, being frazzled, being highly anxious, and being comedic. But I just do not know how it fits into actually stealing these records because it feels like something any other episode of Supernatural would have just done after hours in a hand wave. Yes, I agree. I agree. It was yeah. just done for the for the bit. Yeah. But once the bit is over, we go back to the motel and Ava is just so impressed with herself for helping steal Scott's file. <laughs> they put the tape recorder on and listen to it. And as that is happening inside, we see outside Dean has shown up in the parking lot and he is relieved to see Sam in the window and then quite intrigued to see Ava as well. Oh, thank God you're okay. Oh, better than okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 Sam. You're in the company of a woman. You must be boning. Oh. <laughs> and still, D- Dean doing that very weird and very gross voyeur kind mm-hmm. of thing. He's just creeping in the parking lot. Yeah, I'm just going to sit here, maybe pull out a bag of popcorn, just see how things are going. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, part of it could be that, okay, Sam doesn't want to see me. And if we reunite now, he might take off again. Like he needs more time to cool off. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm yeah, going I'm to stalker vision, follow him around. <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just happy to know where he is, but I'll still be the good brother and give him some space. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. And, like, be able to step in if Sam needs it. But otherwise, you know, Dean wants to protect him. Sam doesn't want to be protected. So I could see Dean just being like, okay, here's my solution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Inside the motel room, the tape continues. And we get some quotes that are talking about an upcoming war. And the special children are going to be the warriors in it. And everything is going to change. This is so in the cold open, we had Scott saying, The demon, he has a plan for us. And then we just kind of leave it at that because, of course, we do because that's yeah. exactly what we've been doing yeah. for the last 20 episodes. Breadcrumbs, not full pieces of bread. Yeah, the demon's plans, the demon's plans. We have heard it again and again, but now we. Uh, surprisingly or getting uh, in these tapes we actually get to hear what scott what more scott had to say yeah the demon war and where the soldiers and ava just can't believe that they like herself included are supposed to be these warriors yeah well how are we supposed to turn into that what it what is what? Yeah. But they don't get time to get into it because in that moment, the motel window shatters and Sam and Ava duck down and we can see a sniper on a rooftop across the parking lot and it is Gordon. Um, good thing that Dean arrives in time to stop his next shot because Sam was like, I'm going to put my big forehead over the edge of this table. <laughs> Um, Gordon and Dean get in a big fight, but Gordon ends up knocking out Dean and then leaving. And the next we see is Sam and Ava have gone to scope at the sniper's nest. And Sam locates the rounds. He knows exactly what kind they are. Ava is like, how do you know all this? And he's like, I'm going to lie. Oh, don't, don't worry about it. Just watch a lot of tj hooker yeah because i play call of duty mm -hmm. but he ends up getting a phone call for or sorry he ends up calling dean for help yeah this is where uh, i was like okay time to bring dean back into it because now this was enough independence i'm in danger now <laughs> well well to i mean i was gonna say to be fair but Sam is searching for answers, but he doesn't, there's no active threat. Theoretically, there's no active threat until now. The active threat is that Sam had Ash do the search. You came up with four names, only like two of whom are fucking alive. Like there's, well, he, there's it, danger. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I was really surprised that we were, this is totally off topic, but I was surprised that 
we're coming to the roadhouse now and like do you have any names that fit this profile when, when we told ellen and joe and ash about this presumably weeks ago yeah like the reason the reason that it took ash half a beer a handful literally of half minutes, a beer yeah yeah to go get that slip of paper that had the names of the people that fit Sam's profile is because, I mean, it was probably sitting under a porno mag right next to <laughs> his computer desk. I mean, come on. It's like, anytime you want to come back, we're ready for you. He just He just sat down and I'm trying to think of an eight minute long song. <laughs> He listened to American Pie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just chilled out Jump. for a minute. Sm- oh, yeah. Finished off his blunt and then came back out. <laughs> okay. I feel like I put way too many offensive stereotypes in there. Like that. <laughs> you know he had that list already is all I'm saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. that That's another bit is just not feeling. It's, it's the contrived bit again. Yes. Just bringing up, bringing it up now because it's convenient. Yeah, but yeah, Sam gets shot at, so of course he's calling Dean, and we see Dean answer, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, we see Gordon has bound him to a chair and is holding the cell phone up for Dean to speak. Um, Dean gives the street address that we saw in Ava's vision and tells Sam to meet him there. But he does drop a code word during the conversation, and Sam knows as soon as he hangs up that someone had a gun on Dean. Yeah, Dean followed Sam to Lafayette. It's a real funky town. Yeah, and Sam is, he gets a strange look from Ava at that, and he's like, don't look at me. Dean's the one who came up with it. <laughs> I I wonder, is Funky is Funky Town a, a, just a song, or is it also a, a movie? Isn't it a movie? I know it's a song. I don't know if it's a movie. I feel like there must be some sort of reference in Funky Town specifically means yeah, I've got a gun on me. Yeah. That I am just too uncultured to pick up on. Same. Maybe maybe Google can help us there. Yeah. Funky Town. Someone's got a gun on Dean. That yeah. was... So Sam knows that Dean is in trouble. And... Shit's gotten real, so Sam decides to send Ava home. I I hate to say send her home, but he is telling her to go home. Yeah. She's she's done all that she can do. Yeah. She already said, you know, I'm a secretary, I'm a civilian, this is not for me. Like, you, you had my curiosity, but if shit's getting real... Um, she needs to get out of there for her own protection. Yeah. So she does get in her car, but she does remind Sam of her vision of him. She does offer to help, but he insists that this is what needs to go. And so Ava leaves asking Sam to call her afterwards to assure her that he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, this feels so wrong. You're literally walking into... Your death vision, my yeah. death vision. Yeah. Are you doing anything to alter it? <laughs> no, that would that would be telling V. Yeah, honestly. We gotta build up the drama. Drama. 
Um, so now we have the scene that we've already run through with Gordon recounting the exorcism where the demon offered something about an upcoming war and Gordon interrogated it, killed the young host to Dean's disgust and says the soldiers are humans, but they are fighting on the side of hell. And since they turned against their own race, they're fair game, essentially. He's not a killer. He's a hunter. And um, not only that, but the demon gave him Sam's name as one of the psychic soldiers. Yeah. And as it would happen, yeah, Gordon actually knows one of these soldiers. It's the one Sammy Winchester himself. Mm-hmm. And this is where Dean initially tries to fend him off by being like, wow, you really listen to a demon. But Gordon insists that he does his homework and he has his own connections in the roadhouse that confirmed what this demon said. Yeah. And you could see Dean's face get really cold here because he thinks that Ellen or Joe or Ash or someone has given up the deets of what um, what they told them yes. about Sam. Yeah. Yeah. So Gordon's saying that they are all going to be killers, all these special children, and he's ready to preemptively take them out, including Sam. And... Gordon is smart enough to know that Dean has forewarned Sam before he shows up here. Um, He'll try to sneak in after scoping out the house. And so he tells Dean about the tripwire he's placing, plus the backup grenade that he's going to have. And even Dean looks a little pale at that. Like, Sammy's smart enough to catch one tripwire, but Dean seems to doubt that he'll catch two. Yeah, yeah. And another one of those things where Gordon says, so that's why the tripwire and Sam, uh, Dean, like boastfully, like, what is the mm-hmm. purpose here? He's like, oh, you'll never fool Sam with a tripwire. Yeah. I'm like, way to give away the game. Yeah. It's like, he can't help it. He's proud of his little brother and thinks the world of uh-huh. Sam's intelligence, even when like, it comes to the detriment. Yeah, you know what's better than one tripwire, two tripwires. <laughs> and he's like, oh shit, two of them? Never <laughs> thought of that. I know. And I think that it, it, it seemed like almost comical in its severity. Yeah, I suppose. Where, I don't know, here's Dean, he's like, oh, Sam would never fall for a tripwire, but two tripwires. Oh, that's just a step too far. <laughs> and I couldn't fi- I couldn't figure it out, like, why, but I guess they were just trying to say, oh, he's not out of the woods yet, because we, as the audience, has already seen the one tripwire, so we're like, yeah. oh no, there's two. Yeah, he might subvert that part of the vision, but there is a secret backup part of the vision that's going to get him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is, yeah. It, it felt, again, again, it felt more like the dialogue was just telling the audience things. Yeah. That, like, the, like the audience should know things, using the characters as mouthpieces to just tell the audience words. Yeah. Yeah, like, Sterling is doing his best to sell this stuff, but some of it is just too flat. Mm-hmm. You can't make three dimensions out of it. Man, I mean, how 
awful and cringe and just like, no, take this away, please, was it to have Sterling K. Brown sitting here talking about like race traitors? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, how yeah, yeah. the cycle, the, the psychics aren't, you know, pure human, but. Yep. Feels bad. It feels bad. It feels feels really like bad. a white writing room. Oof. And I mean, it, it would like, be bad if it wasn't Sterling K. Brown, but it feels doubly bad. Yeah, because it's like, okay, did you think about this and think it's okay? Or did you not think about it? And just, we would have given him this dialogue no matter who was playing this character. It be, just, you want to know my, bad. you want to know what I think? Please do. I think that with Bloodlust and now again here, they were like, we want to talk about how monsters are an inferior race and should be, or lesser to humans and should be killed on sight. We can't have a white man doing that. Let's get a black man to do it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be very disappointed. I almost wonder, though... It's like no, self-aware I, in a bad way. Yeah. Like, I I don't want to paint them as naive because it's like, no, like, you should have known something is funky. But if if they were just like, no, we need to have, you know, more than white people in this show. We have this hunter that's going to be recurring. Let's make him a person of color. And then... They're like, oh, but he's going to be a villain. And then they're like, anyways, we don't see a problem with that. Like, all of that's bad. And I can see what you're saying. That they, I mean, either the awareness was there or it wasn't. But, like, we are going to use the fact that we have a man of color saying these things. Yeah. Yeah. And And that feels bad, too. If it, it fucking feels bad because, again, it's like, oh, you, the writers, the directors, everyone who could have stepped in between the script and the fucking filming of it just didn't see a problem with this. Or, like, you didn't see enough of a problem that you needed to speak out. Or you saw that there was a problem and you didn't have the support. Like, there was no infrastructure for you to be like, hey, this is bad and we shouldn't do it. All of that is bad. Like, all of that is not a great thing for mm-hmm. the show to exist as. Yeah. When when I had to sit here and see Gordon deliver the line, you know, they're psychic, so not pure human, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. They should still be aligned with the humans and not the demons. Not pure human, so I guess it's not murder i'm a hunter so sam is fair game i'm a hunter so i can kill the psychic but i won't kill you dean the psychic though the race traitors oh yeah they're fair game like oh my god i can't even say i mean i I just feel no 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 i'm done yeah well because it's this supremacist dialogue it's a supremacist mindset and it feels gross and exploitative to have a person of color 
be the spokespiece for this. That's exactly it. Because you said yourself, I mean, we talked about it a little bit with Bloodlust, uh, where we, in the companion book, I think that I said something like that. Did they realize how many racial Mm -hmm. connotations were coming into this the conflict for this episode and you said yup they sure did yeah and i'm like again i'm mad that my instinct is to give benefit of the doubt when you can fucking look at the page and i guess it's because when i read over the companion book for this episode they didn't even fucking say anything about it like it was just it was nothing to them and i didn't sit here and be like why was it nothing to them like ugh. Mm -hmm. It's it's just insidious. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that they knew what they were doing and yeah. it feel feels really, really, really gross that they're using it seems intentional. I mean mm-hmm. I may just be I may it, it may not have been, but you know what? To me looking back, whatever, it feels intentional that they cast a person of color in this role. Yeah. To deliver these these lines and notions yeah. and themes. And it sucks that Sterling is, like, being diminished by this because he's such a phenomenal actor. Like I said, I watch this episode and I'm like, I find Gordon so compelling. And it just sucks that they give him this. You know, his character could be anything. But this is what they had in mind and this is what they gave him. Mm-hmm. We want you to be our supremacist mouthpiece. Like, it's, it's white supremacy. Re, we're going to just paint it over with supernatural instead yes. of white. But we're going to make you the racist, the supremacist. And it's like, could you not have given him anything else? Like, if that's really what you want to write, Why? One, why one do of the we reasons, need fantasy racism? Yeah, one of the reasons why it feels intentional is is that he is the only person of color. Yeah, in the show, recurring character. Yeah. Ugh. So that that's that's a feels bad, but everything else in the conversation we've already gone over pretty extensively, yeah. and um, we. Yeah, I not to get into it again, but my biggest takeaway from here is that we have Gordon preaching to Dean on this and just being the external uh, vocalization of all of his internal doubts. Yeah. And these are all the things that we know that Dean has already been stressing over. And here is the Gordon throwing it back into his face and vocalizing it and and even empathizing with dean in this moment yeah yeah but this is this is dean's worst nightmare coming true where sam is being hunted right sam is being hunted for this this thing that his own father told him that dean himself might kill might have to kill his brother over yeah um, Gordon sets up the dripwire while Dean argues Sam's case. Gordon says someday Sam will change, but Dean says that he doesn't know that. 
And Gordon is surprised that Dean is so emotional. He thought that Dean was professional. And he makes that terrible Hitler analogy, which Dean says isn't Sam. And Gordon says, it is. You just don't see it yet. And he says he sympathizes. He knows that this must hurt Dean to hear. Um, but ultimately, he does set a gag into Dean's mouth. As he says, John would have had the fortitude to go through with this. And, quote, are you telling me you're not the man he is? Woof. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it would have wrecked him, but when it came down to it, your dad would have had the stones to do the right thing here. Yeah. Gag me. Yeah. Dean looks ready to kill because, again, this is a finger right on the nerve of his insecurity. Right. Again, talk about legacy. Yeah. John, on his deathbed, I guess, essentially unloaded his heaviest burden right onto Dean's shoulders to be like yeah. I love my son but just know that like go through your life knowing that you may have to kill him one day yeah I love my son but cock shotgun and and now here's Gordon telling Dean that John would have done it yeah will you yeah can you rise up to your father's legacy mm-hmm. boo but kind of good. But, I mean, like... I mean, it's good in the way that Dean getting poked in the feelings and then squirming and crying. I'm like, yes! Like, I'm that <laughs> Jack Nicholson just nodding his head, like, voraciously. I'm like, <laughs> yes! Make the little man cry again. Yeah, yeah. I just wish that we could have had this episode without so many things stated explicitly yeah. in such plain terms. Like, yeah. yes, we know that these are where his insecurities are, but do you have to just, like, just say exactly the right thing every yeah. time? Are you telling me you're not the man he is? Yeah. It's, it's it's sp again, spoon-fed to us, to, yeah. to bare bones. I'm not feeling it. Yeah. In the next scene, Sam arrives outside the house, like we saw before. He goes around to the back door, like Gordon predicted, and picks the lock. Gordon hears him. Um, we see the door open, and with the camera on Dean, the bomb goes off. Dean is growling, but Gordon is like, no, no, wait for it. And sure enough, there's a second explosion. Dean is stifled, he is gasping for breath, very clearly distraught, and Gordon just says, sorry, Dean, and leaves him with his gun ready. Yeah. Yeah. He, Dean is in a panic, and we see as much. Yeah. Gordon thinks that he's gotten Sam, except Sam gets the drop on him. Holding a gun to the back of Gordon's head, he demands Gordon to drop his weapon, and Gordon says, you wouldn't shoot me, would you? Because your brother here thinks you're some kind of saint. And then Sam says, I wouldn't be so sure. And Gordon says, see, that's what I said. Hmm. Oh, man, I forgot to comment on the bad green screen. <laughs> I feel like we covered that a bit at the start, though. I know, but it's so bad and so good. I mean, it was good for 2006 TV budget. A, A, A. This is January 11, 2007. 2007. 
oh, I didn't realize that they filmed it and then edited it and then put it on TV within one week. 11 days, B. 11 days. Ooh. <laughs> but what about the holiday? Fine. <laughs> Fine. It was filmed in 2006. No, no. I get it. I get it. I definitely forgot that this came out in 2007 when I was saying 2006. No, it's 2006. Bad CGI. It's not CGI, though. I always say CGI. Bad special effects. Is it yeah. even special effects? Practical. Well, how did they do yes, it? I get it. I get it. No, 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 no. I was saying, like, do practical effects fall under the umbrella of special effects? I didn't want to cast yeah. shade on practical effects. Yeah. It is just literally Dean tied to a chair in front of the green screen with badly animated chunks of wood thrown at his head, I suppose. Yeah, lumber flying. With the explosions. Oh my god! I And Ava! Ava's, like, belt buckle as big as my fist. Bell bottom. Skinny jeans. Two layers of hair. Two, yes. The hair, the blazer, the... The cotton blouse, I mean, it is just mwah. It's fucking <laughs> amazing. It's everything. It is everything. Yeah. Those those acid wash bell bottom jeans send me. Please. I mean, it's uh, what we deserve. They're not bell bottom. They're boot cut. But okay. <laughs> By today's standards, they might as well be bell bottom. I love boot cut. Can I confess that? It's still my favorite. <laughs> I have a pair of boot cut jeans and I have worn them exactly once, even though I love them so. I have boot cut yoga pants. Oh. Are you wearing boots while you're wearing yoga pants? No, but it's my favorite. I just like feeling floppy around my ankles. Love. Don't constrain me. Love. Mm. A bygone era. Yeah. R.I.P. Even though it's still alive. <laughs> her blazer, though. And her shag. It's it great. was a lot. Mm, perfect. Sam and Gordon fight. Um, Gordon manages to disarm Sam and knock him through a wall. He pulls a knife, but Sam bowls him over and uses his broken hand to punch him a couple of times. And takes Gordon's gun, points it at him. Gordon cajoles him to become the killer he really is, but Sam just knocks him out instead and goes to free Dean. Hey, you don't even... I can't even... I can't even comment on the broken hand because when... When needs must, you go beast mode and you re-break that hand to save your life. I'm I'm just like, he's never leaving the cast. Get him. Get him. Get him, Sam. Never. Like, that hand's going to be forever. It's going to look like, I don't know, like a bonsai tree by the time he gets it out of it. Like, it's just gnarled and twisted. The fingers are weird little branches. He's going to destroy that thing. Shut up. I love you. (laughs) I am the master of analogies. (laughs) Ask me again what I think of it. dumbest shit comes out of my brain um yes become the killer that you really are Mm -hmm. dean gets freed but sam is very clearly wiped so dean helps him to his feet he's ready to kill gordon like you said you know he made the mistake once already he's not gonna do it again 
But Sam just cryptically says that Gordon is taken care of, so they leave. Yeah, just just trust me. He's taken care of. Yeah. So they're walking outside this house, and then Gordon comes out, two guns blazing, and just starts shooting after them. They flee. They hide behind this bush. Dean's like, the fuck are you saying that you've taken care of him? This does not look taken care of. And Sam's just like, no, just trust me. Just trust me. Because it turns out that Sam called the cops on a black man. Honestly, when Gordon comes out of that, when we made the choice, someone somewhere Mm -hmm. made the choice to have Gordon come out of this house, a pistol in each hand. Yeah. Making ineffective pot shots at the, at the, at the place. Like, storming the street with a pistol. I'm just like, no. no. In one scene, tell me you're white. (laughs) In In one scene, tell me that you don't understand the racial disparity in America. Two pistols be two. Just firing with his left hand a couple times and firing with his right hand a couple times. Toss a little twirl in there. It's quite the show. Yeah. Yeah, that got me. That got me. Yeah, the cops show up. They look in Gordon's car. They see all of his weapons in there. And again, I'm like, we just spent like long scenes talking about how Gordon is not a stupid hunter. He's very careful. He's very thorough. So everything that happens in this bit is just... It goes against what you were just establishing for him. That he's running out two guns blazing. But he's arrested and it looks like he's going to be away for a long time. Assuming that they managed to pin, like you said, Scott's actual murder on him. Yes, yes. I I, I, hesitated, I hesitated to say pin the murder because he, he did kill the man. Yes. Uh, but if they can, yeah. Yeah, I, I I thought I'm sure it wasn't deliberate. There's not that much thought being put into it, but I thought it was interesting that when uh, in that brief moment where Gordon had Sam pinned, he pulls out one in the same the same knife that he killed Scott with mm-hmm. to then presumably kill Dean with. Sorry, Sam kill Sam mm-hmm. with. And, He's got a ritual ready. Yeah. Well, maybe now we have. I don't know. Again, it was a little. Uh, when Ash told Sam about the murder and how the cops have no suspects, but they're like the. He was killed. He was stabbed. They're looking for the. He. I think Ash said they're looking for the knife. And then we see Gordon pull out the knife, and then we have the cops on him. I mean, yeah. Okay. 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 They have the okay. murder weapon. They have the murderer. That should be enough, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, they're going to decide how convenient that is if they need to scapegoat him again later. Mm-hmm. Um, we now go to a shot of the exterior of the roadhouse because Dean is on an angry phone call with Ellen. He is trying to uncover just how Gordon managed to find out about Sam. 
and Ellen's assuring that they are loyal and they are not stupid. And the other hunters at the roadhouse could have very well been responsible for putting two to, to, and two together and, you know, figuring out the patterns here. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not a stretch because. Yeah. Because if Gordon knew that Sam. Oh, man. You know what else I didn't mention? The entire time that Gordon is talking with Dean and all all and even at Sam the whole time that we have Gordon on the screen he is calling Sam Sammy I would say pointedly our very own Sammy Winchester but Sammy what would Sammy do Sammy 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 uh and it was I would say oh so deliciously petty because yeah it's a bit of like subconsciously trying to woo Dean to his side too, like to get into Dean's subconscious and be like, no, he's my little brother too. Like, yeah, that sort of hindbrain response. True, true. I was thinking more of in Bloodlust when, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Dean calls Sam Sammy, and then when Gordon followed suit. And it's like, come on, Sammy, have some fun. Sammy said, no, it's Sam. And then basically storms out of the bar. Yeah. And Gordon was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend. And now he's, like I said, almost pointedly just exclusively using Sammy. Yeah, that's a good point. I totally derailed. Where we are? No, no, no. You're good because that is like a good thing to bring up. I completely glossed over it. <laughs> well, well, for well, I think we were talking about the patterns because uh, I was saying mm-hmm. if the demon told Gordon that Sam is one of the soldiers, then what's the next step? What does a good hunter do? Find out what it is about Sam that yes. makes him special or different or targeted by this demon. Yeah. And if you have some major fucking event in your life, like you die, uh, you're, you have a, a mysterious house fire that kills your mother at uh, a house fire in a nursery that kills your mother when you're six months old in 1983. And your father has been a part of the community for the next 20 years and he is convinced that the death and the event was caused by a demon and i presume has been spreading around this personal vendetta uh it's it's common knowledge and you just put two and two together like you said well and also okay if this knowledge is coming from the roadhouse we could just look to this episode okay so sam is sitting at the bar drinking a beer and then Ash shows up with the list of names and he and Ellen and Sam are leaning against the bar talking about this in regular voices like and mm-hmm. this is the first episode that I can really think of like there was the one earlier where Joe was hustling um hunters but like they made a point to show the roadhouse as bustling when they're talking about this so they're not being discreet. The information could very well have just come from them talking 
Yeah. Uh, they they made a point of showing the the barflies that yep. were at Harvel's at the time that Dean that Sam initially you know, comes in. They they all, looked at him. Yeah, they all took notice of the fact that Sam was coming in and demanding Ellen and Ash's attention. Exactly. Like, he's in there on a special mission. Are you telling me that people don't eavesdrop? Are you telling me hunters are not gossiping? <laughs> well, I just, I just think that when it comes to actually establishing a pattern where Ellen is adamant that she didn't tell anybody she joe or ash would never spread around that sam is one of these psychics but she can see how someone else would have put together the pattern especially especially if they have sam's experiences to go off of mm-hmm or Sam, they have Sam as the model to establish that pattern. So. Yeah. They didn't write him out. It's yeah, fine. But, but Ellen says she's sorry yeah. that this is going on. It's just they cannot control what the rest of the hunting community believes. Yeah. So our next scene is driving. Sam is leaving Ava another voice message, hoping that all is okay. And Dean breaches the subject that they've been avoiding so far. He says, if you ever take off like that again, and sort of trails off ominously, and Sam just, little shit eater, goes, Mm -hmm. what, you'll kill me? Well, I mean, this is one of those things where I almost wish they were more... We had had more time. This is where... Yes. Okay, this is where the episode falls short of what it should have been doing, which is having Sam and Dean together so that... Like, I don't get Sam and Dean angry at each other or working through it together. It's just like we had... This is almost, unfortunately, the epitome of one of those episodes where, like, you want to watch Supernatural... It's easy. Watch the first three minutes and the last three minutes of every episode. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You'll get the bromance, and that's all you need. I mean, yeah. But but this is one of those episodes where, like, Sam gets shouty in the first three minutes, and then he's like, what, you're gonna kill me? <laughs> yeah, it's a joke by the end. It's like, no, you you didn't do any processing to make this feel valid. Yeah, yeah. They had the, I guess, relief of getting out of a harrowing situation alive, but they didn't talk at all. They weren't together. They weren't together to process it. Well, is this maybe Sam's way of... Okay, and again, I might be leaping to conclusions here, stretching things beyond their means, but is this maybe Sam being like, oh, I I definitely overreacted earlier, and rather than say that, I'm going to make a joke that will, like, bring anger out in my brother, but, like, in, an imag- in a manageable format that we can then move forward with. That... That's fair, because here we are, you and me both sitting at the beginning of the episodes being like, 
he's just being too extra here. He's putting too much blame on Dean. He's not being fair. And here at the end, he is maybe generously to say in his own way, telling Dean that he's not mad at Dean. Yes. This is a freaky situation. Yes, he was angry in the moment that Dean kept this big, horrible thing from Sam. Yeah. But he does not blame Dean. He does not distrust Dean. He is admitting that this is the, no, it's okay, we're okay moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think, if anything, that's what this little comedic beat is doing is letting them break the ice in a way that is not okay it's therapy time in the impala how are you feeling well how are you feeling (laughs) and you know i really overreacted earlier no i felt that but i also understood where you were coming from like again the way that this show is like we need to butch them up all the damn time yeah I feel like this is a shorthand way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I was mad at you, but then we almost died in Brothers in Arms and all that bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess and we're I can okay still, now. like, needle at you. Like, mm-hmm. Dean just goes so not funny. Like, he's not ready to joke. And I'm like, if that doesn't symbolize a sibling relationship, what does? I mean, is he not not ready to joke? How do we end this episode? With them just bickering and bitch and jerk and let's go to Amsterdam and all that. Well, Dean is saying, yeah, let's go to Amsterdam. He's, again, doing the imploring that he did at the last episode, at the end of Kurotonin. Saying, you know, screw the job. He's basically fed up with this talk of destiny and fate. Because Sam's trying, no, 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 you're meant to be a hunter. It's what you're good at. And Dean's like, well, fuck that. Like, I I don't care if I'm good at it. It's not what I have to be. I'm not fated to be this. I can do something else. Yes. I'm not meant to do anything. And this, again, I'm like, Sam, you are so young. Because Dean is rallying against his own fate in this moment. And Sam goes... You mean my destiny. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, B. I missed that. What were you... What? Basically, what you Dean saying, like, screw the job. I'm not meant to do anything. Like, I don't have to be anything. I, it's not... I am not fated to be a hunter. And then Sam being like, I am uncomfortable when things are not about me. And so he interprets... Dean's rallying against fate and destiny as Dean rallying against Sam's fate. Yes. And that... I get your point, but that's also... I don't, I'm not going to give it that much credit. Because... I mean, yeah. I, I, I do think that Dean is also responding to Sam's fate here. But yes. they're... Especially at the end, again, of Kurotoin, we had Dean being in this really fraught situation and Sam making it about himself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, it's it's the reminder to the viewer of who is our protagonist. Yes, yes. And it's the the little brother 
the the child not looking at the caregiver as a person but as this vessel that reflects themselves when it comes to the fate thing i think that that was when when dean's like screw fate screw destiny then i think that that was him uh rejecting specifically sam's fate or responding to sam's comment by relating it back to sam's fate but when it comes to dean saying screw the job i'm tired of the job i'm sick of it that is something that is just completely glossed over that's dean speaking to his own feelings yeah and again for the second time we're ending the episode with dean's feelings going unacknowledged and um and he's and, and sam just says well i'm going to face it head on yeah and if you want to protect me then you're gonna have to be with me when i come with yeah 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 that he tried running once before you know he ran all the way to california and it didn't do any good and dean maybe can't protect sam from this but he is definitely going to try and sam thanks him for that Mm -hmm. i think that sam is just taking all of what dean is saying and relating it back to him yeah where dean in Sam's eyes, Dean saying that he is tired of the job. He doesn't want to hunt anymore. He just wants to lay low for a while, figure some things out. Sam thinks that it's just to do with Dean's fears around what's going on with Sam. Yeah. When I don't think that... I think that that's a part of it, just like in Croatoan, when... Dean said, you know, yeah, dad's death is a part of it. All the things that we've been going through, it's just adding up to this one thing. But so Sam is a part of it, but it's all the things adding up. Yeah. And it just hasn't clicked for Sam yet. He's too young. It This caregiver-child dynamic between them is muddying the waters like he just doesn't see his brother as a person yet yeah yeah he doesn't see he doesn't recognize that dean really is struggling for himself yeah and in sam's offering no support there yeah oh good shit (laughs) but we don't we don't do anything about that it still is all about sam and dean gives up everything for sam so yeah when is it? It doesn't become about Dean. I mean, there's no. When I say about Dean, it. I mean, there's no one for Dean about Dean until season four. Yeah. Oh my god. For reasons, you know, no, no particular reason, but you know, just pulling a number off the top of my head. You sure. Know, season four. Sure. 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 Yeah. When Sam tries calling Ava again, there is no answer again, and Sam just has a bad feeling about this. So he asks Dean to take them to Peoria, and at Ava's place, they go upstairs to find the fiancé dead in bed, his throat slit, blood everywhere, sulfur on the windowsills, 
and Ava's missing engagement ring. Or Ava's missing and the engagement ring is on the floor amidst this blood. Yep. Dun, so dun, dun. that's not good. Was the fiance's name really Brady? It was really Brady. Oh, how unfortunate. I immediately was like spinning a little ficklet where the Brady <laughs> that was the demon Sam was dealing with in university was also the Brady here. I was like, mm, there's some fun threads there that you could tug on. <laughs> but yeah, he did. And that's the episode. Yes. So even when the special children don't go bad, there's still some danger. This uh, unaccountable danger that they're in because now Ava, the you know her her family dead, herself missing. Mm-hmm. I can only presume dead, and there is sulfur to indicate that this is the demons doing. Yeah, it feels like further evidence of Sam not really realizing the scope of danger that he's in. Right. Well, I will maintain that that, I agree. <laughs> that we don't we that I we agree. don't no one is a no one knows the scope of danger. There is no scope of danger until it I becomes agree. very obvious. Yeah. Okay. I agree. But they are also hunters, and they know it's a dangerous world out there, and they know there's a yellow-eyed demon involved. Like there are some things that should be glaring, flashing alarm <laughs> lights that are like. Maybe, maybe we should be a little more cautious. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Well, Remy, what is your final takeaway? Takeaway. The takeaway from this episode. Takeaway. The, the final one of the takeaways. <laughs> oh. Unfortunately, this episode is a little hard to get a takeaway from because we don't get a lot of personal moments. Yeah. I, I think that my takeaway is going to be Ava because we didn't talk about it much, but she's a character and she's a good character, you know? Yes. She's a we, personality. We, we glossed over her, but she's really fun. She's this little sister role in a very vibrant way. Um, yes. She's what Joe could have been if they leaned into the fact that the sibling vibes are there. Yeah. I mean, that, that joy that I got from Andy and is also present here where she's just this i I don't know i i've been impressed with season two in creating these characters and there's been a lot of them yeah ava adam andy joe ellen ash gordon gordon i will go through the whole list apparently all these characters that are unique and uh, but but vibrant in their own ways and and not cliches either which is surprising and a hard balance to strike mm-hmm. and uh i'll just continue to appreciate that and i liked i liked ava i did yeah if there's one thing supernatural knows how to do it's make really compelling one-off characters and then find a way to bring them back and sometimes kill them. 
Yeah. And then drop them like the hot potato. Yeah. It's like, oh, you like this person? I'll bring them back just to make you sad about it. Yep. 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 I'm going to ruin everything that you liked about them. Which is a good little point to touch on here because they're like we really liked Gordon and now they're like oh you liked Gordon let me give you Gordon again and then dial him up three notches yeah and I'm like but you just made me almost like him more like yeah the fact that he is so ruthless that he is so intelligent I was like this is good I like this like I'm not saying he's a good person he is a good interesting character yeah yeah i really liked gordon in this episode and if it was intentional or written or just sterling k brown bringing something to the character that wasn't even uh conceptualized at the time of his character creation Mm -hmm. we have gordon coming into this episode and he has dropped the airs that he had on in Bloodlust. Yeah. And he was still a very, even in Bloodlust, even before the whole vampire fiasco, I, I, I think I said earlier that he was doing the seduction. He had this this mask on and he was like playing up the, the persona of this friendly yeah. guy that was just trying to bring in, you know, lure Dean to the dark side in a way. Yeah. But I don't think it was that. I mean, as you probably know, we talked about it extensively in Bloodlust. It wasn't... It didn't feel like that in the moment. It wasn't this this fakeness that was coming from him. It wasn't this act that was coming from Gordon. Gordon is Gordon and he presents himself in such a way that it's it it's this honey so sweet and you know what even if it was an act then it just goes to show how compelling and complete he is in that role like Mm -hmm. that is a testament again to his cunning and his capabilities Mm -hmm. i think that yeah yeah he he's so He's so black and white. He's so honest and genuine. He, if anything, though, he, I I got a feel of him testing the waters in Bloodlust. Here, he's just a bit more bald-faced about everything. Yeah, he's kind of like that, the jig is up. Yes. But I still can compel you. Yes. But if he had stood up and said, this is who I always was. I was never just pretending to be your friend. I was never... You know, this is, I, I, I never lied to you, Dean. It was kind mm-hmm. of that kind of thing. Like, I was like, yeah, no, you never did. You just, you told him how you felt about it. It's just that when it came down to it, your, your choices are objectionable. Your yeah. actions. The philosophy your might conclusions. be sound. Your conclusions. Yes, yes. The philosophy might be sound in a way, but the, uh, no, the conclusions are wrong. And an argument could be made. Yes. And the problem is, is that Sam and Dean are not offering a compelling counter argument. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't mean to t- tangent off onto Gordon again, but. No, I'm glad that you did because my final takeaway is I'm very, <laughs> I love Gordon even more now. Like, and again, 
Love's a complicated word. I'm not sitting here being like, yeah, get them, kill Sam, shoot him in the head. That's not how I feel about Gordon. I'm like, he's a very interesting character. Sterling K. Brown is doing the most with the least. And it's just very interesting to get those layers peeled back with him. Like, it it feels like just changing tactics. And if that's the case, you know, how how strong he is to pull off something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I could say more, but I don't think you want me to. I mean, I feel like we all, we, Gordon gives us a lot to talk about. <laughs> we like talking about this one. I was actually thinking, though, in this episode, when's the next time, I'm thinking, when's the next time that we see Gordon? And mm, I, f- and it's going to be disappointing and I'm sad about that. Is it like, we're just going to bring him back to kill him? I think the next time that we see Gordon is, yes, yes. We're just going to bring him back to kill him. I'm looking up when he's back. He's in four episodes total. No. Oh. Bad day at Black Rock season three. Okay, so I thought it was Bad Day. Wait, no. Is he at Bad Day of Blood Rock? Yeah, well, it says that he is. I thought, okay, so I thought, when I when I thought about Gordon, I thought that he was Bad Day at Black Rock. But then I was like, no, his, he, he has this, like, partner that comes mm-hmm. in in the next episode that we see him. And then that partner comes in at Bad Day at Black Rock. But yeah, I didn't looking here. No, of course. Um, from pri- from his prison home, he convinces two other hunters Sam is pure evil and must be killed. So I don't think that Gordon Gordon is not involved in Black Rock. He is still in prison, but he convinces the two hunters that they should go after yeah. Sam and Black Rock. Yeah, I think they do like the shot of him, you know, talking on the prison and payphone and being yeah. like. Gotta kill Sam. This is the only thing I care about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that is season two, episode ten. (laughs) (laughs) A tangent off into season three. Hey, stay tuned. Give it another 57 weeks and we'll (laughs) see Gordon again at Black Rock. My boy. (laughs) He's so interesting. I don't know. I just really... Compels me, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Sorry, so you, made, you you made a funny. It's a meme. I get it. I, I got you. Thank you. I I have been thinking a lot about his accent in that movie. <laughs> Daniel Craig and Knives Out is what I'm referring to. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, tune in with us next time when we watch season two, episode 11 play things yes thank you guys so much for joining us if you would like to leave a comment to us on twitter or tumblr then we would love to have you better yet leave a comment or a review on your podcast platform of choice it helps us so much in getting visibility out there for our show we appreciate you guys being here We would love it if you'd invite some friends. And yeah, like Remy says, drop a review. Help us get the viewership 
listenership, readership, give us everything. And we had lots of fun. We hope you did too. So we'll see you next week. See you guys. Bye.